Welcome, friends, to the PW Fan. The PW Fan is a pro wrestling podcast created by fans for fans. And we appreciate you joining us today for episode four. I am your host, representing the old school wrestling fan and your favorite barber, Tim Gilbert. And I'm your host, the architect of pro wrestling podcast, Andy. And I'm also your host, the no-selling wrestling indie fan, Jeremy. All right, guys, we have another great show planned for you today. We're going to be talking about all things pro wrestling. A new WWE champion has been crowned. NXT has a new look and feel. AEW has a ton of momentum, and they're winning in the key demo. But uh, before we get into the AEW stuff, let's jump into WWE and talk about any news from this week. Uh, Andy, do you want to start us off with, uh, do you want to start with SmackDown today? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, a couple things I mentioned this week. So, SmackDown from last Friday, we had the first segment where Brock returned. Uh, talked with Roman Reigns in the ring. Paul Heyman was there uh, being a coward. I believe Roman accepted, whether it was beginning of the night or end of the night, uh, accepted Brock's challenge, and I think it's made, been made official now for Crown Jewel. Worth mentioning also was at the end of the night, Roman was in the ring, and we finally, after, God, two plus years at least, I want to say, agree or disagree, guys, but we finally got to see the demon Finn Balor after a long time. So it looks like now an Extreme Rules coming up, it's going to be uh, Roman Reigns versus the demon. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, th- I thought the Brock segment and the Roman segment was really great. Heyman just has this ability to bring everything together whenever he's involved, and he's such a great character playing that coward and uh, trying to run away from uh, either Brock or Roman in that situation. And I'm just kind of upset that Demon Finn had to come back and now he's going to lose to Roman as his first match as the Demon. Which I, w- I really wish it was under <laughs> different circumstances. Oh. Yeah, it could be like that. I don't know how much Vince values Finn Balor or the Demon Finn really that much. I really enjoyed the Brock and Roman segment. Uh, one thing, like you were saying, Jeremy, is Paul Heyman is just so good at his role right now. He's kind of evolved into this next-level slimeball heel character, which he always was before, but instead of being like uh, very talkative and boisterous and... Um, kind of annoying he still has some of that to a degree but he's he's more calculated and he seems more like a snake in the grass type character it's weird we've seen roman and brock face each other multiple times but for some reason i don't know why if it's because brock has a new look or because roman's a heel this time it feels fresh it's a match that we've seen a ton of times but it feels fresh am i like what do you guys think do you think it feels newer than it it has in the past because the last time they had this match, I was completely uninter- uninterested. Well, first I want to say this kind of reminds me of. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It was a 2002 Survivor Series. Heyman turned on Brock for Big Show. You know now Heyman kind of. He never officially said he stopped representing Brock. He just at the moment is representing uh, Roman. You know they're still they're showing Heyman on the phone backstage with Roman or with Brock on the phone it seems like they're still in somewhat you know cohorts but uh back in Survivor Series 2002 
Heyman turned on Brock and went to Big Show. Do you think after it's been a, a year now, Roman's been champion? Do you think one Heyman might turn on Roman and go back to Brock? I really don't think they're they're gonna go with Brock as the champion because I feel like they finally gotten Roman to the spot where they wanted him because this they've picked Roman for their top guy for years now, and then the uh, matches before when it was Roman and Brock was when they were trying to make him that top guy and I just think now that he is that they're not they're going to keep it on him. Well that's what was I was going to say was bringing me to the second part that Tim was talking about um about not really being into their matches previously. Brock I mean at least he looks different. He's probably still going to be the beast uh but he'll be talking a lot more. Roman, though, in my opinion, has gotten better as a in-ring performer. His character now, I'm way more invested in. I hated Babyface Reigns, so I'm actually looking a lot more forward to their match this time around. Even though it is in Crown Jewel, I'd like to see it. You know, a bigger pay-per-view. Say, like, even if it was Survivor Series, but I know they'll do Champion versus Champion then. Um, yeah, I mean, just overall, I'm glad Brock's back, and I'm interested to see where the storyline goes. Yeah, I just wanted to circle back real quick before we move on, because I just wanted a chance to touch on the um, Finn Balor demon character. Yeah, I was hoping, like Jeremy was saying, that uh, this wouldn't be the circumstance that they bring it back. Although, I do enjoy that this is the story right now and that he has to use the demon character because it might be the only thing strong enough to conquer Roman kind of thing. I, I do think what Andy's saying, like I really do think they're going to probably do something to protect Finn. Uh, I'm assuming if they go the easy way out, it's, Brock's going to have some sort of interference. Yeah, it could come down to whatever the you know Saudi prince wants to win. So. Yeah, whatever he wants. <laughs> Yeah, who knows how exactly how much influence he has. All right, let's move over to Rampage, which comes on right after SmackDown on Fridays. There was, there was to me, just one big thing worth mentioning, and it was the opening match, Andrade versus Pac, which should have happened at All Out, except for there was travel issues with Pac. I thought it was an awesome match. Uh, definitely, to me, it was pay-per-view worthy. Unfortunately, you know, it got moved to Rampage, but... Uh, Andrade won, and at the end, Andrade beat up Chavo Guerrero. So it looks like his services aren't needed any longer. What do you think of this, Jeremy? It was definitely worth the pay-per-view match, uh, which is too bad they didn't have it all out. Uh, e- even though I'm glad that the was that the women's battle royal uh, replaced it, so I'm glad that Ruby Soho got that spot instead. Which kind of works out uh, anyways. But yeah, Andrade is just a great worker. He can work with kind of any style, really. And and Pac is just, you know, he's as hard-hitting as anyone gets. It's like him versus maybe like if Sheamus outside of WWE would have been a great match with those two. Now I guess uh, Andrade is going to have Ric Flair coming in as a manager. Probably, probably going with that. I mean, he did bring with him to uh, AAA when he faced yeah. Kenny Omega. And uh, he played that role pretty good. Uh, on the outside of the ring, so we'll see. And he is the son-in-law, like actual (laughs) son-in-law. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the match. I'm definitely going to go back and watch it. I feel like I watched so much wrestling this week. I watched a little bit of Ring of Honor. I watched a little bit of Impact. I got Ring of Honor to catch up on tonight when I get home, and Dark Side of the Ring comes out tonight, so 
I this this one match somehow slipped by me, which I'm disappointed. So I will make sure to go back and watch it. And on housekeeping for next episode, I will give you guys my review. Uh, Andy, what else? Anything else happened on Rampage that night? I don't think there was anything worth mentioning, but I think we should jump to Raw because this is kind of the highlight of the week in the wrestling world. Big E cashed in at the end of the night. You know, it's it's a really big deal. Uh, I, I believe it was you, Tim, that told me it was the first time that the title changed hands from one uh, black man to another. And so Big E cashed in his Money in the Bank contract at the end of the night on Bobby Lashley and won. I thought it was a long time coming. Uh, I thought it was the perfect opportunity for it. They, they've been, been building Biggie up for a little while now, and they finally pulled the trigger and followed through with it, and I think he definitely deserves it. The amount of support he got online afterwards really shows what kind of person he is backstage and how much he's respected and loved. So I'm really happy for him, and I hope he has a you know nice title run. And the fact that I think it was only, what, the, what was it, six black wrestlers have held the WWE title so far, or this is the sixth one. Yeah. Uh, just shows that it's, it's very needed and that, you know, hopefully there's more to come. And also in terms of the women's as well, uh, championship. Uh, but yeah, Big E is just a, such a lovable guy and just even if you see him on TV, you just root for him anyways. Just the character he is. And also he's he's a really great wrestler too. I mean, I know he's a like funny guy and great, great uh, you know, character that he's made in the new day squad but he's a very good wrestler i think between him and kofi and xavier he's could be the best one i did this is the type of push i, I'm, I like from uh WD that AEW gave them basically because they beat them in the key demos from last monday i think it was and so i'm, I'm glad it happened um i, I kind of wish there was a little hopefully they have a story for him but you know uh could be wishful thinking. Yeah, I, uh, I, I just want to say congratulations to Big E. How awesome is that? And me being the old school wrestling fan, wrestling self-proclaimed wrestling historian, whatever you want to say, um, we we have to be specific when we say we are talking about the WWE Championship, not the World Heavyweight Championship, and not any other World Championships that have been represented throughout. Uh, pro wrestling. We're talking specifically the WWE Championship was the first time that uh, it was passed from one black man to another, which is uh, monumental and awesome. And my original post when I first read about it was kind of odd that it took us so long to get here. Um, It's it's weird that, you know, 2021, this is the first time something like this has happened. But like Andy said, the backstage camaraderie, everybody was so happy for him. People in multiple companies tweeted out how great of a person he was, um, that he's a, a wonderful human being. And I guess my only question is, do you guys think that this is a response to AEW winning in the key demo? Or do you think that, from what I've been reading, people are saying that they were going to go this route anyway, but they went a little early just because of the momentum of AEW. Do you guys have any thoughts or did you read any other things about that? Well, one thing I know that did change was uh, Bobby Lashley versus Randy Orton was originally supposed to be at Extreme Rules. And they moved that to the main event of Raw. Um, and I, th- I feel like that had to do with the ratings because, you know, TV ratings, I think, mean more to 
the company than say you know pay-per-view buys because then you have the advertisements you have fans watching and taking all that in so I, th- I think that was a decision based on that I'm not saying everything on the show but uh, I do feel like some pieces were moved around due to ratings yeah and we're not saying that Raw Raw didn't lose to AEW in the ratings I'm sure like usual they beat AEW in from a number viewership standpoint what we're talking about here is what people call the key demo which has become kind of an inside wrestling joke at this point but that 18 to 34 year old demographic of hardcore wrestling not hardcore as in the style but mega wrestling fans that's the 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 key market that you want watching your product but what we're saying is in that demographic more of those people were watching dynamite than they tuned in for raw uh, i don't know the algorithm or how they figure that stuff out like based on house household and how they know how old people are that live in the household but that's how it's measured so that itself is pretty cool i think we got a little bit of ways to go before we see it on a just a regular weekly ratings like you know a one point two point kind of thing where clearly AEW is winning if we ever even get there but it is cool that there is a segment of the audience who are saying no we we prefer this product over here because they're doing things that we enjoy and they're giving back to the fans but I gotta give WWE credit they gave the fans what they wanted by making Big E the champion like, it, it was a nice it kind of it, it was nice it kind of finally felt like they made good on a promise almost that because sometimes you wait and they build up to these things and it never happens it's happened a few times when daniel bryan finally got his main event and won the title they they finally gave people what they wanted when kofi had his build which was weird because originally and this is just a side tangent but that was a uh originally supposed to be mustafa ali's push and he got hurt and it just was never the same for him i feel bad for him he just never yeah, he got hurt in a Randy Orton. yeah and he just never there. like caught he had that momentum with kids and stuff and the kind of general audience and it just never caught on again but uh i digress what i was uh getting at was you know it just is really cool that they they gave the people what they wanted and you know they they let they gave Biggie the title. Now, I don't know if this is gonna last one month, and then they take it right back off him, and then they're like, "See, we we did what we did what you wanted," and we're like, "Well, you should have went with it a little longer." But we'll see what happens. I hope that they make him the. I hope he gets a good run. I mean, that's best case scenario. I think it's also worth mentioning uh, when it comes to the rating stuff and the demographic. These shows aren't on at the same time on the same day. Right. This isn't a head-to-head. The difference between, and I don't know how young some of our listeners are, so the difference between a Monday Night Nitro versus a WWF Raw in 1996-97 is they were on at the same night at the same time going head-to-head. Some Similar to how NXT originally on Wednesday nights was going up against Dynamite. Uh, but until, like Andy was saying, until they go head-to-head on the same night at the same time, it is going to be hard to tell who is really watching what. 
I would be curious, just like if they just did it like maybe once or two weeks, two weeks, just to, like a test run. I would love to know where, who, who, or who's watching what, you know, what and uh, what ages are watching what show. It's 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 very fascinating. This is some of the stuff about wrestling that I really enjoy. I don't know if uh, they need to be exactly on head to head anymore, though. Because of just how everything is with streaming services and YouTube and how much you rely on that. And also, to me, because I've watched way less WWE than I've ever done before. And I watch AEW basically every week. And so Wednesday and Friday nights to me uh, are wrestling nights now. Instead of the Mondays and Fridays. As long as they keep going the way the AEW is. Because as long as people think that if they drop you know from 1.3 like they got last week to this week which was i think it was 1.12 or whatever it was but people were like oh they dropped i'm like it's an improvement from where they first started which is you know in the six or seven hundred thousand range i think people and andy i'm gonna let you finish here i sound like kanye but um i i think it's people keep tweeting these things saying oh look at the viewership for rampage it's dropped at, at the same time, it's like, come on, man. It's Friday night at 10 o'clock. I mean, people, young people, I mean, I'm 31, married, and I have a kid. But young people, usually, you know, like where we're at in the city and stuff, they're out, man. They're out doing stuff. They're not at home watching wrestling. And if they are, they're watching it the next day or maybe a few drinks deep at 1 in the morning when they get home. So, I, I think people make weight. People went out of their way. They knew CM Punk was coming back on that first rampage. Like we did, they probably made the plans to be like, okay, I'm th- this night I'm going to hang at home. I'm going to watch this. And then next week I'll, you know, DVR it and go back to life as normal. So I, when people say, oh, the, the needle moving, yeah, right, the viewership's dropping. It's not dropping that much. And it kind of is just leveling back out to where it was before. It's it's a tough time slot. It's a bad night of the week that it's on, but you know. Uh, when it comes to the weekly uh, competition, I kind of hope eventually we see a uh, same night wrestling show, and you have to kind of pick because that's when the, that's when the competition ramps up. That's when you get both companies trying to put out their best product, like they did back in the late '90s. And as a wrestling fan, that's really exciting to to see sometimes because then you just get the best content. Tony Khan was quoted as saying, from what he understood, that there was a in the gorilla position at NXT during the quote unquote Wednesday Night Wars uh, that there was a direct feed to AEW Dynamite where they could react to AEW show on the fly, which is something that they used to do on with nitro and raw back in the day Uh, i think both companies did that uh according to tony khan though they had no they didn't do that and they didn't have any interest in seeing what they were doing they were just focused on their show but nxt was very curious what aew was doing yeah there was a there's a video i think that someone was shooting in nxt and they go over to the side and there's you can see aew in the back (laughs) on the tv all right moving on to nxt from tuesday night just want to touch on a few things here. So this was the first official NXT 2.0. At least that's what they're calling it for now. I don't know if that's a permanent name. Uh, to me, it's just NXT. But we'll we'll have to see how they or what they do moving forward. 
So in the main event of the night is going to be Pete Dunne versus Tommaso Ciampa versus Kyle O'Reilly versus LA Knight for the vacated NXT title. Now we learned earlier in the week, I think, that Samoa Joe has vacated it due to an apparent injury. Now us three were talking from what we've also read online. Not sure if he's actually injured or not. Uh, I think that's because I'd read that the original plan to bring him back to NXT was for a backstage role, not for a wrestling role. But the the heat between him and Karrion Cross just got so big that they ended up doing a match, I think. And now Karrion Cross has gone up to Raw. Samojo won the title, but they still want him in that backstage role. They don't really want him to be. Uh, to be wrestling, so I think they just took the title off him and said that he's injured, but we'll have to see going forward. So there's going to be a fatal four-way now for the vacated title at the end of the night. This NXT 2.0 had a lot of new faces. I want to say a lot of guys and girls used to be in Evolve, at least from what I've seen uh, this one pay-per-view that they did. I'm sorry to interrupt. Am I correct? Didn't WWE purchase evolve or they have something to do with evolve okay i wasn't sure yeah so a while ago wwe at least on the network showed an evolve pay-per-view and i think this wasn't too long after they had purchased evolved and i do remember that i remember the evolve network exclusive pay-per-view yes and that's where i think i saw some of these guys before like uh this guy josh briggs and i think i saw von wagner on that card as well who both were in the show tonight. As the show goes on, though, there's a, I think it's in the middle of a match. I don't remember which match specifically, but it shows Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland attacking Kyle O'Reilly backstage. So now Kyle O'Reilly is not able to compete in the main event. William Regal then replaces him with a new face in this guy named Von Wagner, who, like I said before, pretty sure I saw him in Evolve. The main event I thought was uh, pretty good. Ciampa, Dunn, Von Wagner, and L.A. Knight. And your new NXT champion, I think it was a very smart decision also. I really enjoyed him being champion before, but is once again Tommaso Ciampa. And as he said earlier in the night, it had been 900 days since he was champion before. I didn't think time had been going by quite that quickly, but it is good to see him as champ again. I really liked his run before with him and Goldie. So now the greatest love story is back. It makes you realize that um, he never really did get that belt back, did he? Nope. Not after his neck. <laughs> I kind of forgot. Yeah, the neck surgery, came back, and he was in it's the title picture, but he never fully won it back. Adam Cole had kind of filled that, you know, uh, face of NXT slot. Yeah. It had, I mean, at one point, him and Johnny Gargano were just putting on, like, banger matches every takeover. But, yeah, he he got hurt, and, yeah, he just never got the belt back. But now he has it, so it's cool that it's finally full circle and good for him getting that shot. Jeremy, did you get to see it? Yeah, I thought that was a great match. I was really surprised they went with him because this whole new direction in 2.0, and they go with a guy that's been the NXT champion in the previous, you know, uh, phases of NXT. Part of me wonders if to to show the fans, hey, have have faith that we're not gonna ruin it. See, or or he's gonna lose it within like a few weeks to some big guys over six foot. Now I saw online a yeah. lot of people were uh, 
we're really bummed that Pete Dunn hadn't won. And Pete Dunn's a great wrestler. Uh, I, you know, I won't, I won't, I don't want to sound like I'm criticizing him, but his promos, I feel like, could be stronger. Tommaso, at least compared to like someone like Tommaso Ciampa, Tommaso Ciampa is is great on the mic, um, and it's another one of the reasons though it is a familiar face as a champion uh, to put the belt back on him, and with this new rebranding, I think it's just a good choice to have Ciampa as the face at least for now. Yeah, I like Pete Dunne too. I, I just don't think he's. I mean, I I like Pete Dunne a lot. I I, I own. Pete Dunn t-shirts I've you know I even like this I'm in this music project we've even like thrown like an easter egg song title after Pete Dunn I just don't think he's all the way there yet for being like the face of the brand and that's uh, really I don't mean that as like a disrespectful comment I just like you're saying Andy from the talking perspective I don't I just don't think it's all the way there yet. well worked for him in NXT UK he didn't really even talk he just stood out there looked like a badass well, that's what he's also. There's re- wrestlers like that, yeah. like Dean Malenko, among others, who, you know, that they went out there and wrestled. They didn't have to talk. The wrestling talked for them. Exactly. I mean, he is called the Bruiser Weight, so it kind of fits his character. <laughs> yeah. Not talk. I def I definitely think he will be champion one day. But when you're doing a rebranding, I think the smart choice was to go with someone like Tommaso Ciampa. So for NXT. Is there anything else? What do you guys think of the? I just I'm sorry to interrupt. What you got? What do you guys think of the set, the new look? Well, compared to what they had, which was basically almost like a chain link fence. Well, I, I guess they eventually replaced it with like plexiglass. But uh, I'd forgotten that they used to have stands though before. It had been so long. Instead of just like people just standing around during the whole pandemic uh, time. Uh, I actually liked it. Yeah, I thought that part with the fans in it was cool, but the um, entrance area kind of looked like just like a mini Raw and SmackDown stage, because that's like the, what they're trying to prepare them for. So they really just mimicked that. I feel like there was no ramp though, was there? Right? They just walked. No. It was just flat when they yeah, walked out. Correct. Okay. That was the big concern going into this. I mean, besides the obviously the storyline and where some of the talent are going to be used. But one of the big concerns is, you know, what's this thing going to look like? Is it going to look silly? Because all we had was a logo to go off of and a uh, few notes of a theme song. But surpre- pleasantly surprised on my end, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, it was bright, and that was definitely different, seeing you know, seeing the fans. And I did think it had kind of like a higher-tech, sleeker feel. And I love the classic NXT, uh, you know, the more alternative metal kind of vibe, but... This was not bad or cringy or embarrass- or embarrassing or anything like that. I I thought it was pretty cool. You know, Tim, it actually reminded me of uh, at least the seating arrangement of the place where we saw NXT a couple times live. Just wrapped around the ring um, at the convention center by yeah. us. I don't, know, I don't know if you thought that I, same it, thing. It did too, remind me of that a little bit. I, it crossed my mind a couple times. Uh, was there anything else from NXT, though, you guys thought was worth mentioning? Did we talk about Braun Breaker? Oh, yes. So, the first match of the night was LA Knight versus Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker. Braun Strowman. <laughs> but it's Braun, B-R-O-N, instead of A-U-N. Vince is like, nobody will know, pal. 
So and breaker with two K's. Two K's, yeah. One. I made I made it a point to write it down with two K's. <laughs> so I was very surprised at the winner of the match. Uh Braun Breaker beat LA Knight, who is in the main event title picture at the end of the night. So I thought that was a little bit odd. Then doing a little bit of research, found out that Braun Breaker is the son of Rick Steiner. It is Rick, it's not Scott. Nope, it's Rick. It's Rick Steiner. Yes. And then after looking at his his attire and everything, I was like, oh, yeah, it makes complete sense. And then you can totally see it in the face once you you know that. So I feel like they're probably going to be giving him a push. I mean, he's a really good athlete. I just was surprised that, you know, he beat L.A. Knight on his first night in. But you want to know what's even more stupid about him, them not letting him use his real name? He played for the Ravens. People already know his real name. Rick Steiner or something is like his real Yeah, so which name. is a fine wrestling I didn't game. know he played for the Ravens. That's yeah, cool. so he was on the Ravens, so people already know that that's not his real name. I don't know. It's silly. And and yeah, his they, dad's they a wrestler. It. Why yeah. not? His dad and uncle, like, what? Yeah. I don't yeah. understand. And he looks like a Steiner and dresses like a Steiner, but he has to be Braun Breaker with two Ks. Yeah. Ex- he looks exactly like it. And also, they I think they said they banned... Uh, saying Rick Steiner to like on the commentary team, I'm like, why? Why would you not do this? It's easy. Just go with it. He did with Charlotte Flair. Just cash <laughs> yeah. in. Cash in on the name. Wouldn't it be interesting if you could like sit down with with Vince and be like, okay, just explain to me like why? Well, you hear so many so many stories of people going in there thinking they have good ideas, and then Vince somehow convinces them his way of thinking. They walk out there like, what the hell just happened? Like, he somehow just turned it on me and made me, you know, convinced of going with what he wanted. So, I'm, yeah, I do wonder what it would be like yeah. to just be like, hey, Vince, just explain to me your thought process. Convince I love, me. I love Moxley's story when he's just like, he would always say, that's good shit. And there was like that. It's good shit. It's, it's good like, shit, pal. You can imagine him saying that, too. Oh. I remember he said, so I'm an idiot. No. Well, you're just you. You know, you're you. <laughs> That's uh, one of my favorites. Sometimes, you, you know, sometimes with them, you just don't question and just see where it goes. Yeah, would you guys want to get to our weekly Dynamite review? Yeah, let's get into our main meat and potatoes of the PW Fan Podcast, our weekly Dynamite review. Andy, you want to take us from the beginning of the yep, show? so last night was AW Dynamite. Opened up with uh, CM Punk coming out to go to the commentary table for most of the night, and we'll get him why he later why he was only there for most of the night. First match, awesome to see it was Adam Cole's uh, in-ring debut at in AEW against Frankie Kazarian. The winner. What a freaking match! Frankie man. Kazarian is great. So underrated. Yeah, I mean, I get it. He's one of the you know on the older end of the talents, but he he's just solid, and he's been in there with the new guys that have come in before, and unfortunately is in that position ever since Christopher Daniels got uh, or retired. But the winner was Adam Cole. He won with a Panama Sunrise, and then finished him off with the last shot. I thought it was a really awesome match, and afterwards Adam Cole did a little bit of. Story time with Adam Cole. Hey, bay. And talked about mainly how there were three guys in AEW that have rubbed in the wrong way since being there, and that is Christian Cage, 
Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. Uh, before moving forward, though, yeah, what you guys think of the match? Well, first of all, I loved how CM Punk completely jumped straight on one fan this time. It was like there's a big guy in the, in the front row, and he just jumped straight on to him, crowd surfed. That's awesome. Uh, but the match was amazing. Uh, I haven't really, I haven't seen Adam Cole as much like before his WWE run because he was on, I think it was what, Ring of Honor mostly. Uh, yeah, I've only seen a couple matches here and there that Tim showed me from his Ring of yeah, Honor. Yeah, so days. like four or five years ago, Ring of Honor wasn't on TV that much, so it was kind of harder to see where they are. But now watching him on AEW and especially on NXT before that, it's, you know, he's one of my favorite wrestlers now, and. Him and Kazarian put on a great match, and it was, I mean, that crowd was really hot already, and they just, like, basically tore down the house in the first match. The elite hunter, Frankie Kazarian. Not that much of a hunter when he keeps losing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's kind of, they should probably drop that gimmick, right? I mean, at this point. Uh, What a great match. It was awesome. We were just, you know, raving over how great, Frankie Kazarian is, but man, Adam Cole is so Smooth. good. He's so good. And he, I love how he, I bet you he called Shawn Michaels and said, you mind if I do this? Yeah, I was wondering if anyone else that's picked a, that's up his, on that's his, that's his boy. Up the band. He was you know tuning he, up the band. He probably was like, Shawn Michaels was probably like, yeah, do it. Yeah, that, that's, his, that's, his, that's his hero. Um, I love a great opening match. It really sets the tone for the rest of the show. And, and, yeah, uh, I think I think every wrestling show should just start with a banger. Start off with yeah. a banger. I mean, on pay per views, yeah, that's what they do. They start off with a good match to set the tone. You know, a lot of the time it's just a talking segment. But you know, if you said if you started with a a good you know solid match, it really sets the mood for the rest of the show. And and I just wanted to you know because we were talking about Ring of Honor got briefly mentioned here. <laughs> Pretty much eighty percent of cool wrestlers that people like right now in 2021 have definitely either worked for ring of honor went through ring of honor were ring of honor stars the ring of honor needs to get more credit for how many amazing performers that they because people were like oh they yeah all these great nxt guys i'm like they were all in ring of honor before you hear that. punk on commentary when adam cole is making his entrance he's like not suit my own my own horn but uh He's Adam Cole said that Punk was one of the reasons why he started wrestling. Yeah, and and then if I don't know if you guys caught this, this I don't know if he said this on purpose, but Punk said I'm scouting Adam Cole. He said, "Yeah, you heard me right, scouting yeah. him." Yeah. Yep. I was yep. like, "Okay, I do see where this that. goes." So after the match, we had Lucha Brothers and a Butcher and the B- Blade promo for their upcoming match on I think it's tomorrow's Rampage, I believe. Might be next week, but I'll have to double-check that. Uh, and then we had Sammy Guevara and Fuego Del Sol backstage. Fuego Del Sol has bought a new car since signing an AEW contract. And, and he's going to immediately bet it. Yep, he's going to bet it uh, for the TNT Championship against Miro. <laughs> so Miro got a new car. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, Miro's being handed a new car. After that, we had an MJF promo. Which he was going hard, maybe too hard. Yeah, <laughs> he was doubling down on everything from last week. Yeah, Brian Pillman Jr. comes out, uh, and also, and after that, there's a Brian Pillman Jr. 
and JR interview. What do you guys think of this segment, though, as a whole? <laughs> They're really setting up for their uh, their match next week. I know that we're an uh, audio and not a visual podcast currently, but I'm wearing a Brian Pillman shirt right now. Yeah, I, I How dare that. he speak ill of the dead? Did you hear Jim Ross? He was, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> MJF is great, though, man. He really gets you to hate him. Yeah, he's amazing. Every town that he goes to, it's, it's like nuclear heat on him. And the only thing weird thing I thought was like that video package or that video interview with uh, Jr. And, uh, Pillman. I thought it maybe it was came before MJF's promo in the ring. Like it felt like it was weird to place it afterwards. It's so weird. We said on the show to. I mean, look. I'm, by no means I didn't. I don't think they heard our episode and, and switched what they did. But Andy, I said I don't like. Brian Pillman Jr. in this high school gimmick thing. And you said, well, you like Brian Pillman Jr. And I said, yeah, I just don't like the gimmick. Literally since then, he's like a singles wrestler doing awesome. And I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I was I wanted to see the whole time. I also wonder if his partner got hurt at all. Yeah, in real, like, unfortunately, you know. sometimes when tag team partners get hurt, it creates opportunities for the other guy to to step out and shine. Yeah. So we had Jurassic Express and with Chris and Cage backstage uh, talking some smack to Adam Cole, saying something about how Adam Cole came from uh, d- developmental. That was quite the was, burn. That was a good yes. one. <laughs> uh, so that, that was a fun little interview. And our next match was Matt Seidel with Dante Martin versus FTR. The winner was FTR. They won with the big rig to uh, Dante Martin. Now, I want to say something. I think it was twice on commentary they said that FTR was overlooked or not given enough credit. FTR is great. They can work with any style, and sometimes when they're working with the fast-paced style, I find it to be a way better match. Also, I mean, we all know Matt Seidel, formerly known as Evan Bourne, if you only knew him from WWE, is is very good. But Dante Martin is only 20 years old. That kid will be a star one day. Uh, he's, he's very good in the ring, and I really enjoyed this match. I actually took notes for this match, which I don't do often. I don't know why I did. It, I just was in the middle of watching it, and they were impressing me, so I said, all right, I'm going to write some stuff down. My only critique of the whole match, I think Dante Martin is awesome. I just said, what did I write here? I said, Dante Martin needs to lay his stuff in more. Very athletic. I just want to see a more vicious offense. So he's so smooth. What I mean by that is he's so smooth, everything he does looks like it's, you know, I don't want to say choreographed, but it's almost like dancing. So if he could just lay it in a little bit more like how Darby does, where it looks kind of nasty like a fight. and vicious. Yeah, like a Make fight. It look a fight. Yeah. I feel like he would have – I haven't really heard him talk, but, you know, that's – that's an, if he was vicious, could talk, and then also do all the athletic stuff, that's a great, like, combination. Now, is he another guy – is he another guy whose partner is hurt? Because he's been doing a bunch of single stuff and with just mixing with other tag teams. I forget what their tag team was called, but yeah, I thought I thought that he was part of a group and he's been, just been bouncing around with other people right now in tag matches or doing singles. Yeah, his partner, I think, was like the other 21-year-old kid, but I think he's hurt now. Because he's what, Ma- Martin is uh He's 19, 20. 20. I think they said he was 20 on commentary 20, last night. Yeah. But it's, in, it's really impressive how smooth he is at that age. <laughs> and especially like all those... High flying moves, a lot of, like a lot of veterans even kind of slip up a little bit, you know, uh, doing those, and he just is flawless through them. 
I suppose before we get too far away from, I know we just were talking about a different match, but so according to Adam Cole, there was no plans for him to become Keith Lee's manager. Doesn't mean it wasn't true, but since we reported it on the show, I feel like it's important to say, you know, I don't want to just be the podcast that only puts up the dirt sheet stuff. And then if we find out later, it's not true or may not be true. We don't go back later and say something about it. So uh, that, that could very well have been the case, but as far as Adam Cole said, he was not aware of it. Rumor was, is all we could say. That's the rumor and innuendo. So I don't know if you guys also noticed, uh, CM Punk, I believe, said that FTR was his favorite tag team during that match. And I'm I'm pretty sure JR loves watching FTR. He thinks they're fantastic, too. So. They're, bro- they're both old school guys, so yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, completely. After that, we had uh, Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki promo, a.k.a. Suzuki Goon. I guess they they were talking about this Suzuki incident, which something with his music, I guess it didn't fully play or something. It's an internet joke that AEW has now like played into because, you know, they're young and cool. Okay. So I was very confused about it. Yes. They're making it out. They're playing along that the inside joke that Suzuki was upset that his whole song didn't get played. I'm gonna let you guys finish, and then I have a, a tangent to go on. So, oh, that was it. I mean, go ahead. you can, you can. All right, I'm just jumping. They gotta stop this. I don't want to see this anymore. I want to see Moxley versus anybody else. Yeah. Just not this type of stuff anymore. It was fun for one or two matches. And I get that they're they got the working relationship with New Japan, and Moxley has a the contract with them and stuff. But it's like, ah, oh, man, he could be doing so much more. It's almost like they don't and know where to place him with the AW guys, so they're bringing. And in I know the I said Japan last guys. week I didn't. I know I said last week I didn't know much about his stuff, and I still don't. But the guy's like fifty something years old, man. Like, I mean, maybe even older. Is he older than Jericho? He's got to be older God, than Jericho. So I don't know. I'm I'm just starting to get burnt out on this whole feud with legendary Japanese wrestlers, but. That's just me. I know some people are enjoying it. Well, I think it's more they're keeping that you know forbidden door open right now. They want to keep it open, and he's yeah. there. It's like the slow build to finally you know having you know Kota Ibushi or someone else cross. Send it. Okada over. Yeah, Stop okay. sending like these, you know, Japanese legends. I mean, look, <laughs> that's cool, but it, and and that's why I don't want to be disrespectful. But it's like my goodness, it's like send a guy in their prime. No, I totally know what you're saying. I mean, I would love to see him yeah, face someone like Kota Ibushi, but who knows what their plans are in the in the long run. So after the Suzuki Goon promo, we had Malachi Black coming out to the ring. He says, uh, I believe he says something about, we have a traitor in our midst, and the camera points to Rosario Dawson wearing a Nightmare Factory uh, sweatshirt. I'm sure many fans know Cody's on that show called The Big Go- or Big show, the big, <laughs> the big show. No, it's Will. not. The go big show, right? Yeah, go big okay. show. That's what it is. So I'm sure people know that Cody's on the go big show, and Rosario Dawson is one of the uh, judges with him on it. So that's probably why they threw her in the audience. But uh, Malachi Black starts talking, you know, some trash to her. Then you hear the crowd going wild. 
and Cody's coming down through the through the stands. Malachi Black turns around. Rosario Dawson jumps on Malachi Black's back, uh, and then Cody ends up attacking Malachi, and they fight through the fans up the stairs. They're throwing fans' drinks at each other's heads. It's just splashing everywhere, and uh, then it goes to commercial break. This sets up their match for next week's Dynamite. Uh, I'm guessing it's kind of Cody's redemption match for his quick loss from before, before he went away for a little while. And Malachi has been beating up his friends and family ever since then. That's going to be annoying if Cody just comes back and wins. And then Malachi has his first loss after you know, running through the entire Nightmare. Uh, I'm just hoping it's a longer match. You know, I think they would have a really good match. Him with Dustin Rhodes was uh, pretty good. I think him and Cody would have an even better match if they got more time. So, we'll have to see how it goes. I like the brawl. I thought that was cool. Going up into the stands. I I hope these guys have a song. Like you said, I hope they have a longer match the next one and they get more time because I think they could really – they have cool chemistry. I think they – when they were really battling each other up in the audience, I, I, it made me want to see a, a full match of it. And I, we've seen one, and I know they wanted to make Alice or uh, not Alistair. They wanted to look uh, Mal- make Malachi look really strong. But I'm hoping in this one, Cody gets uh, it's a more of an even back and forth type of match. I do want to mention what I mentioned to you all last night is when Malachi Black first debuted, he had just the black over uh, the one eye that. WWE had quote unquote taken out when he was still there and every week I've noticed he's been adding more white face paint slowly and it's coming up around past his eye and on the side of his chin it's black but inward it's white with his eye space being black so it looks like it's turning into a skull and eventually it's gonna be the same thing on the other side but if you notice I don't know if you'll notice now, but pay attention to it. Every time you see him, he's adding a little more white uh, face paint. So, I, I just a little, you know, fun thing I noticed. I want to see That'd where it cool. goes. That'd be cool. I'd like to see if he actually does paint the full face. Yeah. Uh, so, after that, we had uh, Anna Jay yeah, and uh, the Bunny video package for their upcoming match, which led into... Uh, the Dark Order backstage with the Dark Order, Ty Conti, and Anna Jay. A little uh, disagreement about them uh, supporting Anna Jay in the match. So Ty Conti says she'll have her back, and they walk away. Just one quick thing on that. Uh, I know with all this Punk and Brian Danielson and Adam Cole, everyone debuting, I kind of forgot that Hangman Page is not on TV right now. Oh, yeah. I wonder where he has been, though. Did they take him out on TV and, like, haven't seen him since? When the Dark Order didn't help him? There was nothing after that, but I just know, like, his wife is giving birth, so they give him time off. Oh, okay. I just noticed because I was like, I mean, he's a pretty big star. And with all Mm -hmm. these guys coming in now, it's going to be kind of interesting how they bring him back. I'd like to see. That's another guy I'd like to see, though, face some of these new faces. I'd love to see Daniel Bryan versus Adam Page. Sick. Brian Danielson. <laughs> Brian Danielson versus Adam Page. As I, I don't said. know who da- I don't know who Daniel Bryan is. <laughs> I've never heard of that person. Daniel Bryanson. Uh, <laughs> so next we had Dan Lambert, the owner of American Top Team, once again Ooh. 
the guy back in the ring talking promos talking screaming promos talking shit to AEW fans saying we're all stupid for watching AEW he's in the ring with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page who are I think their group name is called the men of the year and Dan Lambert is now considered an advisor for them during their segment Chris Jericho comes out which I was surprised to see I figured he was on tour and was going to be away for a little while but he comes out with Jake Hager they interrupt and that ends up leading to a challenge for a match I believe it's this coming Dynamite or next week's Rampage it's one of the two there's a lot of stuff going on next week which we'll go we'll go over we have a lot there's a lot of matches going on next week that have been announced but we'll go over that later in the show after that we had a promo from the Gun Club last time we saw them they turned on Paul White in the ring at All Out and they were talking about how uh, records are apparently supposed to matter in AEW, yet they're undefeated on as any combination of team or singles on Dark, Rampage, or Dynamite. So I don't know if they're going to become, you know, on TV a lot more, or be brought into the title picture, but we'll see. They're obviously trying to do something with them and make the fans, you know, know them. Something about... The two sons just just bug me. I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe it's because they look exactly like their dad, and it like freaks me out in a weird way. But <laughs> well, they just bug me for some reason. I feel like you also need to have a match on Dynamite first, not just on Dark or Elevation to right. <laughs> have a title match. So our next match was Jade Cargill with Smart Mark Sterling. They actually are officially calling him that. I don't know if they had been calling him Smart Mark Sterling. That's my boy. But for some reason, I thought it was just Mark Sterling before. But yes, with Mark Sterling versus legit Layla Hirsch, who was uh, she's the hometown girl during this dynamite. The winner was Jade Cargill, Cargill with her move called Jaded. Uh, just thought it was a good match. Nothing special. Just nice solid women's wrestling match between the two. Jade Cargill obviously. Uh, has been slowly getting pushed since her time here. I, I can see why. She's got a, quite a presence and look yeah, to her. Yeah, she definitely does. She's very tall for a woman. She's 5'10", I believe. I mean, you, and you look at these two compared to each other, the size difference is just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. I feel like she's going to be, a, you know, in the future, a pretty good women's champion. Layla Hirsch is cool to watch, though. She's like a shoot wrestler, and I don't think yeah. AEW has very many of, of her, of those kind of wrestlers. On their on their roster, so yeah, both of them could end up being very, like, pretty good stars in the future. Yeah. After that, we had a, a video package from Andrade. He talks a little bit about how uh, he doesn't need Chavo's services anymore, which, as we said earlier, he took him out after his match against Pac on uh, Rampage. Then it turns to commentary. Taz and his son Hook come out. Taz Send up, Hook. Taz is all up in CM Punk's face saying that he's trying to take his job by being on commentary. Punk's just like, I don't know what you're talking He's like, I'm not trying Taz to take your... does not make any sense at all. <laughs> there's there's, <laughs> there's literally a, uh, uh, an, a an Twitter account that is called at Send Hook. And it's just <laughs> that video of CM Punk saying send hook over and over again. That's all it posts every day. Oh and it has like thousands of followers. And it just says send hook. 
the hell on Kevin. Hook actually did something this time. Yes, so... He did one move. So Hobbs, uh, uh, Hobbs comes out and attacks Punk, and then Hook grabs Punk and puts him in uh, the Dragon Sleeper. Then Hobbs kicks him, and then chokes slams him. Th- oh, I thought it was going to be through, but onto the announce table. He hit hard. <laughs> when those tables don't break... Punk said, uh-oh, I didn't know they let trolls over the bridge. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, as soon as Hobbs picked him up, threw him on the table, that reminded me of when he, when Ryback would throw him, you know, threw a table or missed the table and <laughs> threw him to the side of it. And I was like, you better, better do this right. <laughs> God. Up next, we have a promo from Sean Spears talking about Darby Allen about how Darby called him generic and whatnot, which this leads right away to their match. The winner was Darby Allen with a coffin drop, but the coffin drop was done off the top rope to the back of Sean Spears, which I don't think it normally is, right? I believe that he usually goes for like their stomach or chest, but this hit Sean Spears' back. Then uh, Sting and... There, there could be something going on there that we don't know. Yeah, who kn- Maybe he couldn't talk, maybe he couldn't take the bump on his chest or something. I don't maybe know. Just I mean, that could it be, to be different. Who knows? Yeah, but FTR is out there, uh, and Sting and Darby start fighting FTR. Then Tully hits Sting with the weakest chair shot, I want to say. But in the corner, he hits Sting with a chair. Sting just slowly turns and grabs Tully, puts him in the corner. FTR then attacks Sting and Gar- Darby. Then they give Sting a pile driver, which anytime someone's given that kind of pile driver, I just I just close my eyes, and especially to someone that's older in the business. After that, Tully wipes off Sting's face paint, just like Sean Spears had done earlier in the match to Darby. Uh, what you guys think about this segment and or match? I don't think I want to see Sting versus Tully Blanchard, but I can't tell if it's actually going to happen or not. My mind the whole time just kept going to Sean Spears, you know, thinking about how this guy in NXT and Raw for a while with Ty Dillinger was, like, super over. And people, like, loved him. And now I kind of feel like he's that weird AEW character where when he comes out, it's almost like silence. Like, people don't even react to him. But he's... I still think he's a yeah. I thought he cuts a good promo, and he's still a really good worker. I just don't know why this whole chairman thing. Like people yeah. just don't seem to be connecting with it. Maybe that's why they gave him Tully as a manager and put him in that group. Who knows? But yes, I agree. That promo he did right before the match was one of the better promos I've seen by Sean Spears, for sure. After that, we had Brian Danielson video package. Uh, I believe it had to do with. What went down with him and Kenny Omega in the ring last week. This led to a in-ring sem- segment with Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega, which I very much enjoyed. Uh, it looks like they're getting a match, but not a title match quite yet. Daniel Bryan just seems really interested in who is the better wrestler, him or Kenny Omega. What you guys think of the segment? Like I said, I really enjoyed it. I thought that was a great way to go with the seeing who the best wrestler is first because with the ranking system it is you can't bring someone in immediately challenge for the title but still gives you a dream yeah. match you know it's, it's so I really that was cool. perfect perfect way to do it and I, I, 
I don't know about you guys, but I, was, I thought there was a limit on, uh, especially on TNT, on cable, of how many times you can say shit. And because, like, earlier, mm. when Jericho and Lambert were going back and forth, they were saying, calling each other dipshits. And then here, it's, you know, Brian Danielson. I think Jericho called him a pussy, too. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> and then here, it's Brian Danielson uh, calling Don Callis a piece of shit, like, three times. <laughs> so I was like... I guess they're just going for it now. I'm still, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still s- scarred from MJF looking down at the floor and saying, "Who am I kidding? He's down there." <laughs> God, oh, he's talking about how Brian Pillman is in hell. So when you guys I were talking about, about shocking until you things on the show, I'm like, that. My mind can only get, just go to that. <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Oh my god. Uh, so, yeah, after that segment, we had Mira backstage talking about Fuego Del Sol and their upcoming match. Then our main event was John Moxley teaming up with Eddie Kingston versus 2.0. The winners were Moxley and Kingston with a clothesline and a one-armed Snapdragon suplex. This ended up leading to Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer coming out, fighting with Eddie and uh, John Moxley. And that wrapped up the show. They just fought around. I uh, want to see more of Moxley and Kingston tagging. I liked them as a tag team. You should have been watching a couple of months ago, really paying attention. They were tagging all the time. Is this during the pandemic era? Yeah. That's why I didn't see it. Because they, they feuded first as like, because they're longtime friends from their deathmatch days and stuff. They feuded first. And then I think Eddie just saved him one time and it ended up making them be friends. He saved them when they did that barbed match where all, like, the, you know, the explosion didn't oh, happen okay. at the end. Where it was, like, the, those little fire. Oh, yeah, he covers uh, he covers him when the explosion was supposed yeah. to go off, but it was, like, very anticlimactic. And then they had to act like the explosion went off. But because he sacrificed himself, he showed his friendship, and they are now friends since. Yeah, yeah to, to give the listeners a quick backstory, what I meant about the pandemic era thing is... Uh, when the fans weren't allowed to attend the shows anymore, I pretty much only watched classic and vintage pro wrestling for about a year and a half. But I promised my brother Andy here on the show that as soon as the fans came back, that I would immediately start watching current product. And to my credit, which you did, I did. did. And I probably watch more now than I have in years. I think AEW has had the best shows, a run of shows since the fans have come back. Since I can remember, it it their their audience makes such a big difference in the show, and that same with WWE. Yeah. I remember watching. Uh, I think it was the first SmackDown back, and you and me were texting. Tim. I was like, "Oh, this is how it and should." You were be. like, "It makes yeah, it makes such a difference. It, it really does. It it sets the whole tone and atmosphere for the entire show." So that was Dynamite. Now that Dynamite set up. A lot of matches for next week's Dynamite and Rampage. It's we just have stat cards. I believe each show is going to be two hours long. I know Dynamite normally is, but Rampage is normally one hour. So they're saying it's like a four-hour kind of extravaganza of wrestling. Dynamite Grand Slam. Yes. So I wanted to go through these matches with you guys or segments that were going to happen. I don't know if this is the specific order it's going to take place, but. So, the stat card for next week's Dynamite is as follows. We have Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. We have the CM Punk Live interview. We have MJF versus Brian Pillman Jr. 
Eddie Kingston and John Moxley versus Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki. We have Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, versus Ruby Soho for the AEW Women's World Championship. We have FTR versus Darby Allin and Sting. And we also have Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. Now that just covers Dynamite. For Rampage, or as they're calling it, Rampage Grand Slam, we have Adam Cole and the Young Bucks versus Christian Cage and Jurassic Express. We have CM Punk versus Powerhouse Hobbs. And the men of the year, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page against Chris Jericho and Jake Hager. All those matches are, I'm really excited for. Some, I feel like most of them could be on a pay-per-view. But, uh, hey, luckily for us, they're giving us, giving it to us on cable. So, you know, I'm, all, I'm like all, a, yeah, it, it really does. It feels like a, like a two-night kind of pay-per-view event. And you get to see a CM Punk match for free. Yeah, what a great card! I'm I'm really looking forward to reviewing all those matches and watching them all. I guess before we close out the show, I'll just do a quick, uh, you know, little, you know, because I did watch some Impact Wrestling this week, which I don't get to do often. But I just wanted to have a little list of guys of people to like look out for on Impact that uh, I think that we'll be seeing more, maybe, uh, maybe on AEW or maybe going back to WWE eventually we'll see what happens but there's some standout people that I I watched on Impact that I really liked uh obviously Matt Cardona and Kurt Hawkins I feel like uh Kurt Hawkins right now is doing some of the better heel work of his career and uh, uh but uh, he's uh, going by Brian Myers now that which is his real name Kurt Hawkins was his WWE name but I think Brian Myers is doing the best heel work of his career, and he's kind of reinvented his character, and it's really cool. So Matt Cardona, Brian Myers, um, Rich Swan is in Impact right now. I haven't. I it was nice. To, I didn't know where he went. Uh, so seeing him uh, wrestle still was cool. And uh, trying to think if there was any other people that really stood out that I enjoyed. Um, I got to see. Gallows and Anderson wrestle on Impact, so that was cool, getting to see them a little bit more than usual. All right, but before we close out this episode of the PW Fan, we want you guys to please, please follow us on Twitter at the PW Fan, follow us on Instagram at the PW Fan, and please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have full episodes available. We know you guys are out there. We see the numbers. We see the listens. It would really help us out so much if you went to the Twitter and Instagram accounts and the YouTube accounts and and left us reviews and liked and subscribed. All that would go such a long way to helping us out. Uh, we do this podcast for free, for fun, for all of you guys. So um, if you could do that for us, that would be amazing. Uh, and make sure that you go to Andy's Funko page, at the 410 Fan Bros, if you like Funko Pops. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, and join us next week on the PW Fan Podcast. Bye-bye, everybody.